Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. My Believe in Broncos podcast is presented by my friends at Superbook Sports. They have the most favorable pricing and better odds. They are the leader in Las Vegas for over 30 years. They have extensive wagering menu for everything you want to bet. And the mobile app? It's now available at Superbook.com. Coming soon, they will be at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. So sign up today and start betting. Welcome to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. We've got a big show on tap today. Can't thank you all enough for the support over the first month of my Believe in Broncos podcast. Doing well in the numbers, and I really appreciate you guys following along. So today, we're going to talk about the Juwan James situation briefly. What does that mean for the Broncos? How are they going to replace him after he ruptured his Achilles working off-site from UC Health Center? Then we will get into... The upcoming schedule release on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Just briefly go over the opponents, some things to look for. And finally, my guest on today's pod will be former Pro Bowl, All-Pro Safety, T.J. Ward. Won a Super Bowl ring with the Broncos. One of my favorite players to cover. I just love the way he approached the game, the intensity he brought to it. So we'll catch up with T.J. a little later. But first, let's look at... What would be the issue with Jawan James going forward? As you all know, Jawan James injured his Achilles offsite last week. That allows the Broncos, if they so choose, to void his contract. Uh, they could then even try to get back $3 million or a fourth of his $12 million signing bonus. In talking to multiple agents, multiple sources about this issue over the last week, I don't think the Broncos should take a complete hardline stance with Jawan James. I completely understand why they're frustrated with him because they've paid him $17 million for 63 snaps and his career is over in Denver. But you also have to widen the lens a little bit and think about future free agents and dealing with agents going forward. So if you void his contract, it was $9.85 million because he got a $150,000 advance last year on his salary for opting out for COVID-19. So $9.85 million and go after his $3 million signing bonus, again, you would have grounds to pursue it. Uh, This would ultimately end up in a grievance filed by the NFLPA, but would it be worth it? My suggestion to the Broncos would be this, because it's always been the understanding, and the NFLPA said this when they called the NFL gutless for kind of making an example after James, but they said this, that teams have often honored contracts when players have been injured while working out to prepare for a season. Things that can void a contract can include skydiving, you know, surfing, anything that would put you in harm's way, an activity like that, rock climbing. But working out for a season, that's not a, you know, a condition that would put you in danger. That's something you want from your players. And the NFLPA is saying, well, he was provided, meaning James, a workout plan by the Broncos. He was only following it. And now they're saying they're not going to pay him for this. Well, 
I don't, the way that press release was worded or that statement was worded, it appeared the NFLPA was taking a shot at Lauren Landau, the respected strength and conditioning coach for the Broncos. That wasn't their best move. Also, trying to make a martyr of Jawan James is a tough spot for the NFLPA. I know they see it as just player X in a in a grievance type situation, but James and Denver, after getting, again, $17 million for 63 snaps in what has just been arguably the worst free agent signing in team history, it's a tough spot and a tough argument to make, even though both sides, I can see uh, their points. So if it were me and the Broncos, what I would do is pay – uh, I would not go after the signing bonus and try to get a settlement of the 9.85 owed him. Maybe it's a couple million, maybe it's three million, and you just cut ties and move on. Because of the fact you have to deal with agents in the future, you have to deal with players wanting to come here, and taking this hardline stance with James, while you can argue it, it's deserved, it could set you back in how you deal with future players. So that would be my suggestion to the Broncos. Uh, again, if they decide to go after this bonus, it will likely end up being a grievance. And as for salary cap space, do not look for the Broncos to have additional space this season. Because again, if this ends up being a grievance, I wouldn't plan on the Broncos having additional cap space for James until the 2022 season. Uh, that would be more likely given the way the path this is on right now. So that's where they are with James. They also are bringing in Dennis Kelly here on Tuesday, Bobby Massey. We've seen maybe another player as well. Uh, I mean, maybe a Mitchell Schwartz, depending on where he is with his back surgery recovery. But the plan is, so you all know, to sign a veteran right tackle to replace James, you'd have Calvin Anderson to push that person in camp, serve as a swing tackle backup. And you would like their plan right now is to keep Dalton Reisner at left guard, Quinn Miners would play center in his first rookie camp. I've talked to Quinn. That is the preparation he's making to learn under Mike Munchak to play center. Dalton Reisner, again, he played a lot of right tackle and tackle in college at Kansas State. He doesn't profile perfectly for tackle in the NFL game. So the plan is to keep him at guard where he's starting to blossom, where I think he can be a Pro Bowl guard and put a veteran in at right tackle. Again, the first names of visiting are Dennis Kelly and Bobby Massey. So keep an eye on that for the Broncos to add a veteran replacement in that regard in terms of the right tackle position. And then we got a big day on Wednesday. The schedule release. It has become now this huge event in the NFL. Like everything the NFL does, they market events, they take the news cycle, and it's no different with scheduling, which has become a social media sensation for teams to how they can do it creatively. But that is on tap for Wednesday night, and we're going to look at the Broncos' opponents quickly when we come back after the break. My show is presented in part by Hoggett Injury Law. With us, it's personal. Speaking of personal, let me tell you about my friend Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for about a decade, coached his son in travel baseball. We used to hang out at games, talk about sports, especially the Denver Broncos. He's a big fan. We have become good friends. In fact, many of his clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at 1-833-HOGGETT. That's 1-833-H-O-G-G-A-T-T. Or find out more, visit their website at www.hoggettlaw.com. Okay, so the Broncos are looking to rebound. They're looking to avoid their sixth consecutive losing season since the drought between 19, excuse me, six consecutive missed playoffs since 1960 to 1976. 
They're looking to avoid their fifth straight losing season. I mean, it has been a drought. It has been jarring. But the schedule offers some relief. It's not easy, but I believe it's easier than last year. This will be the longest schedule in NFL history at 17 games. That will start this year. This year, the AFC gets the extra home game. And for the Broncos, that will be hosting the Lions. So quickly, the home games for the Broncos. Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Ravens, Bengals, Lions, Eagles, Washington, and the Jets. Again, you got to look at that schedule if you're the Broncos. You've got nine home games. You've got to be thinking in terms of six wins, six and three, maybe seven and two, but certainly six and three. You got to be able to beat the Chargers and Raiders at home. You need to be able to beat the Lions, Eagles, Washington Jets. Those are teams you got to beat if you're a playoff team. Those are teams they haven't been able to beat consistently for the last several years. So that is your home game schedule. Remember, they haven't beat the Chiefs anywhere since Peyton Manning retired, so don't start counting that as a win. Aaron Rodgers shows up. Every one of these games built is winnable. They're not going undefeated, but that's the advantage if you get a guy like Aaron Rodgers as you look at the schedule and say, yeah, we can win that game. It's not really the case right now for the Broncos despite their huge improvement defensively. So those are the home games. Road games, same thing. Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Jaguars, Cowboys, Giants, Browns, Steelers. Some tough road games in there. You know, at the Chiefs, again, Broncos haven't won there since Manning retired. At the Raiders in Vegas, they got crushed last year. Chargers, it'll be uh, going back to SoFi, the new stadium. The Broncos lost there. Jaguars, that's a beatable team with Trevor Lawrence. Maybe even Tim Tebow is on that roster. Cowboys, will that be a Thanksgiving game? Cowboys should be better this year. Giants, uh, up-and-coming team, not unlike the Broncos. It's all kind of hinging on quarterback play. And the Browns and Steelers. Browns and Steelers are probably in that top five, top six conversation for AFC teams. I don't know about the Steelers. I mean, they really tailed off last year. Big Ben was spiraling at the end of the season. But when you start ranking AFC teams, you're looking at Chiefs. You're looking at Bills. You're looking at Browns. You're looking at Ravens. Well, the Broncos play three of those teams, Chiefs and Ravens at home. Then they have the Chiefs and Browns on the road. So those are tough games. If you're the Broncos, you've got to be thinking in terms of 10-7 and to reach the playoffs. That's why I'm saying you've got to look at winning six of your nine home games this year, give you a chance to then split on the road at 4-4. That's what typically gets you into the playoffs is being a 500 road team and a winning record at home. So that schedule will be released at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night, and I will have a podcast about it that night, turning it around for Thursday morning, Thursday uh, early during the day as we break down each game because where and when you play a team matters in the NFL. There's no way around it. You know, some of this is injury-related. You play a team early, they're good. Then two weeks later, you play them and they're terrible because they've lost their quarterback or somebody. So, But injuries are 100% reality in the NFL. You can't continue to use that as an excuse. Did the Broncos deal with more injuries than most last year? Absolutely. But so did San Francisco. So did other teams. I mean, at some point, you just you have to play the schedule in front of you and find a way to navigate it. Because every team outside of a couple every year honestly could point to injuries as a reason the season didn't work out perfectly. So that's incumbent upon you to build up depth, to be able to survive and go 500 when you're out three or four of your top players. So again, Broncos got hit hard last year. But that can't be the excuse. You've got to go into this season believing you've got a defense that can steal you a few games. And if an offense can become functional with 25 points a game, you should be in position to win 10 games. Can they do that with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke? I don't know the answer to that. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt until I see it. But I do know if they get Aaron Rodgers, 
they will be among the top five AFC teams. And you do wonder when you see that schedule come out on Wednesday night, will the NFL hedge their bet and have the Broncos in four primetime games, believing Rodgers ends up here? Because as it stands, the Broncos probably get a couple, a Sunday night affair in Kansas City, maybe a Monday night game in Vegas, and that might be it unless they play, let's say, Cowboys on Thanksgiving. But if the NFL believes Rodgers is going to end up in Denver, you will see the Broncos in the maxed out five primetime games. So again, schedule's not as hard as last year, but it's still difficult to manage. And for the love of God, they've got to have a better September. Under Vic Fangio, they've opened 0-3, 0-4, and been climbing uphill. It's like climbing a, a Long's Peak in Crocs. No chance. So you got to get off to a better start. you got to give yourself a chance late. And you've got to find a way to dominate at home to the point where you win six or seven games. So we'll look at all of that on Wednesday after the schedule comes out. We'll drop another pod then. But that is for tomorrow. For today, I get to bring in one of my all-time favorite Broncos that I've covered. And that is none other than Pro Bowler, TJ Ward. I had a chance to catch up with TJ. We talked about his recent retirement, his Super Bowl 50 play, and all things in between. So let's get uh, no further ado. Let's start this show with my favorite guest of the day, TJ Ward. Welcome to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. As promised, I've got my man, TJ Ward, on the pod. I've said this to you guys. You know, if you follow me on Twitter, TJ, one of my favorite players to cover because of his intensity, his skill, uh, his just ability to take practice to the game, and just everything about him. It was like a PhD when I talked football with TJ. So, TJ, thanks for joining the pod, man. How are you doing? I'm good, Troy. How are you, man? Thanks for having me. Everything's good, man. So you're retired. What are you doing? Uh, how's life uh, a few weeks removed from retirement? Uh, I know you played on, you were on the practice squad last year. You were still keeping in shape playing, but what is it like now that you're officially retired? Oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I feel better than I thought, honestly. So I'm, I'm just out here in Denver still golfing a little bit, raising my, my son. He's nine months now. So that's been a task in itself, but it's been amazing. You know, it's, he's truly a blessing. And uh, just doing a couple businesses I've got running and, you know, the retired life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think you call your son three, right? Because he's a, the third. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so Terrell the third. Terrell the third. I know how much your dad influenced your life in football. Do you see some of the, that now as a father? Because, I mean, I don't know if people know this story, but your dad, you were training like a pro when you were like seven, eight years old, man. Your dad was yeah. training you guys. I mean, do you look back? What are your memories of that now that how has it changed now that you're a dad? Yeah, it's uh, he definitely had us train, train to go at seven, eight years old. We were out there getting pretty tough, like running hills and all that stuff like pros. But um, it's a different perspective. You, I, I learned to appreciate the son father relationship more because now I kind of have a perception of that, you know how he looks at me you know it's, it's a little different when you don't have a son to really understand that love that a father has for his son but it's just a better understanding now so um it's it's a different it's a different feeling it, it hasn't changed our relationship or anything we, we've always had a tight relationship but um I definitely have a better appreciation and understanding for what he did for me you know raising me and my brother and sister, so. Yeah, no, you guys are such a successful family. I don't think people understand just the athletic prowess of the Ward family. Your dad uh, played college. It was in pro camp. You and your brother both played in the NFL. Your sister, wasn't she track, if I remember? Or yeah, she ran track at UCLA. Yeah. Other than that, you guys didn't do much. 
<laughs> That's a great family. And you guys did a lot uh, in both professionally and collegiately. Now that you're retired, we're talking about what are your plans in terms of it being involved in the game? I, and I only ask that because you're so smart. You see things in a different way. Have you thought about staying involved in football at any level? Has that come up? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the, the manner and degrees kind of being some back and forth. Uh, but I'm definitely going to stay around the game. I'm training some guys right now, some DBs, college and pro. So that's a way and that's exciting in, in another way. You know, being on the other side of the line, you know, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And uh, recently I just started a athlete representation firm. So that's kind of the biggest and most major business side of the game um, that I'm attacking right now. It's called Player Above Sports. So this is the first actual comment about it. So you, you got the first <laughs> the first drop. But uh, that that those two things right there is what I'm heavily invested in. I think that's the direction I want to go. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's been fun. But I just want to get back to the game. You know, a lot of times you see athletes retire and they may want to get into another industry or do something else away from the game. But, you know, my passion for it, it won't allow me to leave. So, you know, I'm definitely going to be active in it. Well, I can see the training part. You control that. The player is it's player above sports or play. How did yes, you? Yes, sir. Player above sports. That part's um, not just, easy, man. That part's, you know, that's a more of a tangled web and you're dealing with a lot of logistics, but what is it that kind of send you that side? Just your experience um, as a player? Just my and experiences dealing with different, you know, representation, dealing with um, different markets in the sport, dealing with people that really don't care about you, dealing with people that, don't know how to maneuver through the industry themselves, but have clients and are, you know, have people's futures and fates in their hands. And um, I'm just want to do my part to help the athlete coming up, <clears throat> help change that process, make it better for them, make it better for them after sport, after ball, you know, guys um, sometimes lead a game with no direction afterwards, a lot of times. And me being a former player, um, going through that process, bumping my head a few times. Um, I just, I want to help younger guys come through and not make those same mistakes. So that's why I'm doing it mostly. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, you have a large reservoir to draw from because as a player, you know, you had a brilliant career. When you, I don't think people realize this, you walked on at Oregon. You were undersized kind of going through high school and you played at one of the most famous high schools, uh, uh, De La Salle uh, out in Northern California. When did you start thinking, TJ, that pro ball was a possibility? Was it toward the end of the high school career? Was it Oregon? Because that high school experience was unique in every way. Was it there because you won so much? How did that dream kind of manifest? It definitely wasn't in high school. <laughs> uh, man, you know, I had the dream of, of playing NFL ball. But when I got to high school and I was undersized and I was like, man, this dream is looking further and further from a reality. And then um, – you know, I did hit my growth spur my scene or going into my senior year, I gained like 20 pounds, grew like three inches. And, you know, I was starting. I felt good coming into the season. I had like three picks and three games. I was balling. So my first goal was just to get to college. So NFL still wasn't on my mind at all. I was like, I just need a scholarship. <laughs> and then I got hurt. And that process, you know, it was kind of. I didn't know what I was going to do if I was going to continue to play or, you know, just go the academic route. Um, 
and pursue something, some other, some other uh, goal. But um, I ended up getting healthy, uh, allowed to walk on at Oregon. And that's when I really began to notice that I could possibly play in the NFL because the guys that, the older guys that were draft prospects and um, either or free agents getting the opportunity to play in the league or that were on rosters from before, I was comparing my talents to theirs as a younger guy. And I'm like, right now at 19, 20, I'm as good as him. So if he's playing in the NFL, then I know I can play in the NFL. And that's the next year, I think, you know, I, I was starting my junior year. I had an excellent year. And I was like, yo, I can go first, second round. That's when I really thought, you know, my abilities could take me first round. And that's why I stayed for my senior year. And then my senior year, I had a high angle spring, first game of the year, missed half the year. Came back. We went to the Rose Bowl and ended up going second round. So it wasn't too bad. You know, I went through some things, but, you know, it wasn't too bad. Most Bronco people don't follow Broncos country doesn't follow, but you had a nice career in Cleveland. What, what do you remember about Cleveland? And was it the, the hard part? I, I know you talked, you just were never on prime time. You just didn't win much. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have a prime time game until my fourth year there, literally. And it was <laughs> Thursday night. So that doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's not even the weekend, but it counted. To, it counted to me, man, because it was the only time I played in front of a national audience. And um, but the time in Cleveland was it was fun. The first two years were, were really fun coming into the league. And, you know, I came in with Joe Hayden. He was first round cornerback. So we were like, you know, we were tight and we were just running around the city as young guys, you know, just having fun, playing well individually. But the team wasn't doing well. But that's when it started to really not. It wasn't fun anymore. You know, after the first couple of years, we were, were losing. We had different coaches. You know, different GMs, the people that drafted me were no longer there. So it, it really became um, stressful. It was stressful yeah. losing. It wasn't fun. And coming into my contract, you know, deciding if I would stay there or go somewhere else. You know, I, I love the fans. The fans love me there. It was a great culture for me. I had built relationships with people through the city. So, you know, there was part of me that wanted to come back, but I just didn't want to deal with the losing anymore. I, I was pretty tired, but they didn't offer me a contract anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so why? <laughs> yeah, so they made that choice easy for you. So why Denver? I mean, everyone brings up the Peyton Manning story. I know you wanted to play on primetime. They were a winning team. What drew you yeah. to Denver? Well, Denver was, it was close to the West Coast. You know, I'm from the West Coast. And of course, Peyton, Peyton was here. They were coming off the Super Bowl run where they had lost. Um and I felt that they had lost because, you know, they needed some pieces on defense. And I felt that I was one of those pieces and I could come in and play and plug in and help this team win a Super Bowl with the pieces that we had. And little did I know that uh, Lieb and, and D-Ware were going to sign after me. So that made it even better. That I was like, wow, I think I was on the plane when I heard it, um, heard the news that they were coming as well. And we were all signing at the same time. You guys weren't talking though, right? It wasn't planned that nah, way. No, 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 no. We didn't talk at all. I didn't know. I I had never met Lee or DeWare before that. But I knew E. And then E has signed, I think, a little bit after, if I'm correct. Yeah, he uh, was going to Kansas City and then it fell through. And then he ended up with you guys. Like that, yeah. that is one of the best free agent halls of all time. You, Lee, yeah. 
where and San uh, Emmanuel, when you look back at it, you're like, holy crap, did we just change the team? <laughs> I mean, man. Right. We flipped it. We flipped it on his head. But I mean, I think they were searching or we were searching for that attitude on defense, you know, that aggressiveness, that, you know, um, leadership and all of the above. And I think the three of us brought those and, and fit in really well with, you know, Chris and Vaughn and, you know, everybody else that they had here. But it didn't work immediately. As you know, you know, we got bounced first round yeah. at home. That was devastating. That hurt. Yeah. Andrew Luck, well, Peyton didn't have a good game. And it was like, oh, no. You know, but it looked like you guys took that as motive, clear motivation that I know you guys talked about, you know, that, that those losses, the Super Bowl loss as motivation. It seemed like, especially among the no fly, you guys took it personally. Oh, absolutely, man. You It was my first playoff game, so. It's at home, my first year here. I'm like, we're going to win this game. We had already beat the brakes off them earlier in the season. So it wasn't like we went into the game thinking we were going to come in and just beat them up. But, you know, we had the confidence that it was going to win and we were just going to go on, you know. And it just didn't happen that way. And I was like, man, did we really just lose? <laughs> and anyway, look, check this out. It was my first playoff game. And I think our linebackers were hurt. So I was the only one that was on the field full time. The whole game so I had to work it was the first time I had the, the mic getting the defensive calls the first and really only time I've ever had to do that really um so it was an adjustment for me but I, I adjusted throughout the game and it wasn't too bad it, it ended up being kind of second nature but at first I was winding <laughs> yeah that's not something you've ever done right as a safety no. I mean you're up and you play up in the box sometimes but when you guys it looked like with Malik and you and Lee, like it was, there was personal, like you're, you guys won the Super Bowl. Like there's some personal fouls that you're playing rugged and nasty. But to me, it was the price of doing business. Cause the worst mm -hmm. thing a defense can be called is soft. And did that come up to you guys? Like we're going to punch people in the face. Like you're not going to walk away from us without feeling us. Yeah, absolutely. When you play the, the manner and the style of defense we play in, you're going to get those type of flags. And like you say, it's just the cost of business. We knew Malik was probably going to get a personal foul again. We just chalked it up. You're like, you put it in the tip jar. You know it's coming. Just put it in before the game and let's move on. Or, you know, me or Lee or, you know, the usual suspects, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> the usual suspects. Yeah, um, It was going to happen once a game. So we just chalked that up on the board where – the penalties were Coach Wade had. So we had a goal of, of under a set amount of penalties. So you can put that one up there before the game starts. <laughs> that one didn't count against the, the one person. What was it like being on the field with you and Leave? I said, Toby, you guys were like the soundtrack of the defense. What are those moments like when you're back in the, you know, because we can't totally hear it. We see it, you know, but we're up in a press box. What was it like? Because Chris is a student of the game and certainly Darren, but that that those moments, you know, the quarterback's looking over the line of scrimmage and you guys either communicating or you're talking trash or you're doing something like there was just this soundtrack that was so vibrant. Yeah. Man, I think Chris does not get enough credit for how vocal he is. It's always <laughs> like me and Lee. Chris is like the loudest, most trash talking guy I play with. <laughs> like his whole attitude is like, you are not gonna be me. Of course, me and Lee, we got like a different type of trash talk, but Chris is Chris talks trash to everybody. It don't matter who it is. He's talking trash. He's, hey, 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 TJ. Like, he's communicating. Me and Chris in a diamond nickel, like, we talk about it all the time. Like, we were like, we didn't have to think about 
we didn't have to guess about what each other were thinking. We kind of just looked at each other, knew what we were playing, knew how we were going to play the two receivers, you know, knew how we were going to handle motions. All those type of things was just second nature with me and Chris. And, and I love playing down low, diving nickel with Chris. And Lee, Lee's going to let you know that he knows what's going on. So, you know, as a safety, you're supposed to be, like, communicating as a quarterback. Usually I am, but there are times where Lee would – you know, hey, TJ, make sure you get this across. Yada, yada, yada. Like, Lee was like that. You know, he's a big bro at the room. He's the oldest, savviest vet. And, you know, I just appreciated all of them. And Stu, he's a silent assassin. He's not going to say too much until you get him mad. And then he's going to knock somebody off the game. But just playing with, with, with three smart guys like that and just not, not having to overcompensate your knowledge, you know, not having to do his job and my job. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes he's going to help me do mine, and sometimes I'm going to help him do his, but it's not relying on him, you know? It may be something one person forgets. That happens throughout a game, you know, but that's what communication is for. But other than that, you know everybody's going to come in the game and know that know shit, and we're going to be on the same page. Well, and that's what I tell people. When you guys would have those meetings at 6 a.m., like before you had to be at the – when you were at the facility challenging each other, right? Like that, like that. that that's where that brotherhood kind of formed, where you're just yeah. – break- film and challenging each other i can't imagine what those were like because you guys were able to create take that creative friction out to the practice field right yeah definitely i mean we, we friction it was friction like brothers for sure sometimes in the meeting room but it was all about getting it right and getting it done the, the, the most efficient way and um we get a game plan Ooh, we have a team or before or the night after the game, after we finish playing on Sunday, we'll be on the film Sunday night on the next team, Monday morning, just to see who come in is already on it. Like, well, who will? Did you watch the team last night? Or did you watch them play last night? What'd you see? What'd they do? Oh, they do this. They like to do this. Or this is Monday. Coaches ain't even got the game playing yet. <laughs> Weird. They're like, yeah, they doing this, that, and that. So that, that I've never been a part of a DB room like that. Never. That was special. You guys held each other accountable that way, right? Yeah, for sure. Even the younger guys, it, it made the younger guys step up because they come in the meeting room and not knowing what they're doing or not knowing how to answer a question. We're going to get on their head. <laughs> well, take me through. You finally, you get to the Super Bowl. You went, you, you, you take out Roethlisberger, you take out Tom Brady, and you get to Cam Newton, the reigning MVP. And I know that whole week, everyone's talking about Panthers, easy favorite, going to win, no chance that this Broncos defense is going to stop him. It looked like you guys just got fed up about hearing that. We were just we were just sitting back, just snickering, you know, hearing all the news. We just smiling, you know, kind of just – we got them right where they want – we got them right where we want them. You know, they think that they're unstoppable. They're getting all the gas. We're just sitting back in the, in the cut. Just sitting back in the cut waiting because we knew we had that number. The game plan Coach Wade put together and our coaches, defensive coaches put together. It was like, man, we got it. It was like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way they're going to beat us. <laughs> and then you get that strip sack early. I think you told me, like, that was curtains, right? Like, you knew? Yeah, man. I think we got that early turnover for a touchdown. And then we got another sack. And we got four swimble. We were just tearing them up. I'm like, no, this is actually when we, when we went down and got that first field goal on that first drive. I'm like, okay. We score first. That's really all we wanted to do as a defense. Okay, we score first. Let's get on top, and then let's just hammer them. Let's keep hammering. Hopefully, you know, 
the offense comes through with a couple more drives or we get a turnover, score on defense, we may have to score twice on defense, you know, because, you know, their defense was really good as well. So we knew it wasn't going to be easy for our offense just to go up and down the field like they did that first drive and get the field goal because that was a nice drive. But we had a big play, you know, big plays don't happen often, especially in the Super Bowl. It's usually, right. you know, shorter drives and kind of field position game. So, you know, that was huge for us. And then when we did get on defense and we got the touchdown, I think we were up 10-0 early, right? Yeah. So we were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hard for them to come back. We knew it was just like something in us. We were like, they're not 10 points. That's all we need, 10 points. Did you ever tell Vaughn that if I if you picked up that loose ball, you might have been the defensive MVP? You ever give him a hard nah, time? Nah, man. I, I can't give anybody a hard time but myself for not scoring that touchdown. I don't even like mentioning it. <laughs> I don't even like being people, yeah, you would have won. I would have, should have, could have. <laughs> it just wasn't meant to be, man. The ref was right there. I was trying to, I don't know what happened, but it just wasn't meant to be, man. But Vaughn yeah. deserved it, man. Vaughn set the whole game off. He set it off. The first strip sag and even the fumble that I picked up, he forced that. So, you know, Vaughn, he was definitely the MVP of that game that night. I'll never forget in the locker room afterward, you told me, like, they've been talking about dabbing. Now they can dab their eyes. <laughs> you, were, you were still hot. <laughs> I was still mad. Nah, because it's still after the game. It's like, oh, yeah, hey, we all got a lucky win. Like, what? I was really hearing that. I'm like, man, you crazy. I'm going to talk to you. You guys destroyed them defensively, especially when you right. consider how good they were coming into the game. Like, it's not like you shut down a bad offense. Yeah, it's man. Best offense in the league. Yeah, they did to the Seahawks. Yeah. Play uh, Seahawks, you know, Legion of Boom. They dismantled them boys. And then the Falcons? No, who they play? What? It might have been Falcons. Saints. Saints or something. Yeah. they Saints. They, I think it was the Falcons or the Saints. They just the put Saints. points on them. They scored like 44 in that NFC championship. That's why they were. Yeah. No, it was Arizona. There you go. Arizona. That's right. Yep. That's it what Arizona. it was. They clobbered them in Carolina. Well, mm-hmm. I get asked this a lot because the Broncos offseason has consisted in completely changing their secondary with the additional Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller, and now Pat Sertan with the ninth overall pick. People say this is the new no-fly. And I say, hey, to me, there's never going to be another no-fly. Is there ever going to be a no-fly? And what do you think of this current group that they brought in? And there will never, ever 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 be another no fly but these guys they're some good players man i'm i'm anxious to see excited to see what they bring this season um but you know they got their own thing to do and it takes time I mean, talent talent only go, takes you so far we've seen the secondaries that were highly talented and didn't live up to that talent so it's time to put in the work for them and um and see what they got this year what does that mean, just in terms of communication? Because, like you said, they are—they're very talented on paper. It's yeah, I mean, it takes time. Like you said, like first year we came in, we we had a good defense, but it wasn't Super Bowl defense. And I don't think we even we had that recognition as we got the next year as no fly. You know, where we were really shutting teams down because we had a year under our belt. You know, we had a chip on our shoulder from losing the year before. So it's a, it's a lot of stuff that goes into that mix, man. What about Vaughn? You know him well. Does Vaughn can Vaughn play at a high also, level? Also, that's what I'm saying. Also, you gotta have D wearing Vaughn type rush. Right. You know, you gotta have those Maliks. You gotta have it wasn't just the second day, it was the whole defense should be no five, really. But you gotta have 
guys getting after the quarterback, and it takes 11 guys. Right. Can Vaughn so, rebound in your mind? Can he come back? You know him well. Can he still play at a high level? He's going to be 33 this season? Yeah, man. 30 is not – I mean, in the NFL, they like to give you the, the, death, the death strike at 30. You know, no matter how productive, no matter what you're doing, what you hit 30 in the league is like – you aged 10 years. <laughs> you just hit a dog here. I'm telling you. Oh, he's 30. Huh? It's like he's 37. But I definitely think he'll rebound, man. He's uh he's Von Miller, man. He's been top edge rape, top edge rusher year in, year out, no matter what. And he's gonna continue to do that till he retires. So I'm excited to see him bounce back this year. Well, you got an interesting perspective because you're out of the game a little bit and then you were back with the Cardinals last year on the practice score for about a month. What did you see from the current game? How is it different from maybe, you know, even 15? Because I don't see any team winning like you guys did in 2015. Oh, no, that's out. <laughs> they, that's out. They don't, they, don't want, they don't want teams winning like that anymore. This is a high-flying, scoring, uh, NBA style of NFL football. <laughs> You know, it's showtime. It's showtime, man. The defenses, I think the great defenses may be done. Even though, it, you know, it takes a great defense to win the championship. The way the rules are set, the way, you know, just the offenses are expanding. I think the, the I think we may have been the last of the great defenses. <laughs> no, I try to tell people that. Like, you can't win scoring 20 points a game. The Broncos haven't scored. 21 points a game since Peyton retired. It's just impossible to win that way right now for me. Yeah, when I watch it's, it's, it's really hard. You know, guys, the field is wide open. You can't touch the quarterback. You can't touch the receivers. You got guys running in motion, reverse everywhere. <laughs> Tight ends are receivers now. So you really – four wide receiver sets almost every down, you know. Um, it's just – it's wide open. They don't want the physicality of the sport. They don't want the physicality of it, but it's football. It's, it's going to be physical. You cannot extract the physicality from the game, but they're trying to take as much of it away as they can. And that's cool. That's cool. Keep guys healthy, you know, make sure they, they noggins are right. Right. And um, just play like that. That's cool. Well, the way, they, problem with it. <clears throat> the way they've changed it, Tom Brady's going to play this season at age 44. Aaron Rodgers is 37. Do you, he's the reigning MVP. How much would he change Denver if he joined the Broncos? He still have a lot left at age 37. Hey, Rod. Oh, yeah. Man, he makes any team. He makes all almost Super Bowl caliber. Put it like that. And I think the Broncos have you know a good mix of talent. Uh, it's hard to say if they'd be Super Bowl caliber, but they'd definitely be thick in the playoffs. Because you watched him last year, it didn't look like he had anything to kill off, right? I mean, the guys on the MVP. Yeah, man. They're playing, they out there really playing seven on seven. He, I mean, you got Brady playing at 40 something. I mean, the quarterbacks are playing, they're going to play to their 50 now. Uh, you know, the old school quarterbacks are hot. They were out there getting tagged. <laughs> So you got, you, did you that's, ever, that's why uh, it was um, the quarterback just played for the Steelers. Um, Bradshaw, Terry Bradshaw? Bradshaw, yeah, Terry Bradshaw was mad. He was mad at A-Rod. He said, man, he's not as tough or something he said about A-Rod saying he didn't want to come back to play. 
I said, oh, he's mad. <laughs> he's mad. He's got, he, uh, he got hit and beat up in A-Rod going to play 50 years. <laughs> but it's just the game, man. It's the game. But hey, I feel every generation, you're going to have something that you're upset about or, you know, a little bit envious about the generation yeah. after you. It happens every time. The game changes. Things advance. It's going to be like that. Money goes up. Yeah. You know, it's going to be that way. But there's nothing you can do. Just enjoy it. Well, now that's you've entered that stage of your life. How is it different? Do you find yourself missing football or because of the way you kind of retired on your own terms and you have other ventures, TJ, you kind of look forward to this next chapter and it seems like you've got ways to channel your competitive desire. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't miss it. Cause I, like you said, I had two years kind of out of the game. So I missed it for those two years. And then I was just like, you know what, forget about it. I'm done. And then I got a call from Arizona. <laughs> So <laughs> I was like, wow, you know, I literally was, I was telling my agent, you know, I'm retiring this weekend or something like that. And then the Arizona called two days later. I, I was just, I was blown away. So when I went down there, I got another jolt of, jolt of energy, jolt of being back in the locker room, being around the game, being around some of the younger guys, which was funny. <laughs> those guys, hey, those young guys are funny, man. I'd say that. I was like, was I like this guy? I had you guys are hilarious. <laughs> you guys are hilarious. They're probably on the phone, right? Like you're trying it's to. Fun. It was fun. In that way. Yeah, man, dancing all around. Dance. They'll stop dancing. <laughs> but um, just leaving Arizona and that way it felt a lot a lot better um it was i was satisfied I and now what do you look forward to most as you wake up being a dad being a businessman i mean it just feels like kind of a new a new chapter man oh that lucha dang it there you go hold on yeah new challenges i'm looking forward to all um yeah it's breaking up a little yeah, I'm just looking forward to all new challenges. Um, raising my son, just seeing his growth. That's really what I'm most excited about. Uh, every day is something new. And I'm excited about you know, our future. So those two things. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be a great dad, my man. I just, I just I know how much passion you have for it. And the fact you're giving back to players and you're going to be involved in the game, that is so fantastic. Guys can learn so much from you. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Well, we'll be in touch, TJ. Again, my guest is TJ Ward. It, all you have to do, if you want to understand TJ, go back and watch Super Bowl 50 on YouTube. Go back and watch his early, even at Oregon. Go back and watch it. Pick a Bronco game. This guy, I mean, you were lighting guys up like the Vegas Strip. You brought it. <laughs> <laughs> you brought an intensity and a physicality that changed the way people viewed the Denver defense. Like I can't. Yeah. They, they had a reputation of being soft, and a couple years later, it was like that is the last team we want to see in a dark alley because they are going to hey. punch us in the face, right? <laughs> hey, that means that means the most to me. You know, just that recognition that means a lot man i appreciate it
Well, Super Bowl champion, TJ Ward. Uh, we'll be catching up, I'm sure, down the road. Uh, TJ, you ever need anything, you know how to reach me. But thanks for joining me on the podcast. I know fans love hearing from you. And we will keep them updated on what you're doing and your new businesses and your ventures uh, to make sure people know what's going on with you, my man. All right. Thanks, Troy. Good seeing you. Well, thanks for joining me on the Believe in Broncos podcast. Again, I'm your host, Troy Rink, for Denver 7. I want to thank my sponsors, Superbook Sports and Hoggett injury law these shows would not be possible without all of their help and support you guys can find me on twitter at troy rink t-r-o-y-r-e-n-c-k have another pod dropping on thursday as we take a look at the nfl schedule for the broncos where are they playing when they're playing what that means can they finally get off the schneid and have a winning record thanks again for joining me i do this pod for you happiness that begins with me go out there and have a great day Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.